Dueto Podcast. Can somebody give me a hi? With everyone's favorite Weto, El Weto Sancho. El Weto Sancho. Sit down, buckle up, and come along for the ride. It's about to get spicy. Welcome to another episode of the Hey Weto Podcast. Got a real treat for you today. A pretty interesting fella. He is the founder of the Southeast Texas Flag Football League and co-host of probably one of the most successful amateur <laughs> podcasts you've never heard of, the Amateur <laughs> Hour Podcast. He is also an up-and-coming YouTube sensation on the ukulele with hit songs like Nelly Smells and Silent Bite. Ladies and gentlemen, he is a lieutenant <laughs> in the police department, Mr. Cody Quartz. Hello, and uh, most of your introduction was lies, but that's fine. Oh, come on. That's a great <laughs> resume, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, you you played around a lot with the up and coming, and uh, see, Amateur Hour is so successful. Like, we're successful at no one knowing that it exists, which is how I prefer it. Well, I, I would say it's probably one of the most successful podcasts in Southeast Texas. Okay, we can go with that. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. How many podcasts are there it's in Southeast Texas? On the, it's definitely on the top 100. Definitely on the top 100 charts in Southeast Texas. I mean, it's been going for like four or five years, and you're, you guys are closing in on uh, 100 episodes. That's right. We're, we're uh, limping along um, to get to 100. We'll probably, we're going to retire after 100. <laughs> we'll start something else. <laughs> well, is Troy still mad as he always is? Troy is as mad as a hatter. Oh, well, you actually uh, are pretty much living out every little boy's childhood fantasy. I would say, you know, every little kid. I went to Mauriceville Elementary School to have a talk, and all the kids wanted to be police officers. So they brought me in there to say, "Hey, you can do something other than being a police officer." So you, no. you've actually, uh, you, you're living the dream, Cody. Oh yeah, I didn't. I had had no idea. It was never my dream to be a policeman, but I'm I'm glad I am. It's a fun. It's a really fun job. So, did you go straight out of high school into police, or did you have another job before you went into the academy? No, I um I went to college and got a degree in psychology, and then I graduated, and I was extremely shocked that my door wasn't getting beat down uh, to workplaces. So I went to like Texas Workforce Commission mm -hmm. and I almost took a job at Aaron's Rentals, but luckily CPS, uh, Child Protective Services, called and offered me a job. So I was like, cool, I'll go investigate child abuse. Mm. And I made $28,000 a year, which to me was incredible. Uh, <laughs> and then while I was working there, I went uh, on a call. We had to remove a child um, from this, this house. And there was like a kicking, screaming two-year-old. The mom uh, like didn't want to let the baby go. Um, we like went out to the yard with this little kid. And the mom followed us. So the poor Arthur policeman who was there basically kept her um, away from us while we put the child in a car seat. And he pointed his taser at her, and she was flopping around the yard and doing all kind of stuff. And was like, look, if you come near these people, I'm going to taser you. 
and she didn't. And we got the kid and we spent the next several hours with this child trying to place it. Uh, I think it was a boy trying to place him and the poor Arthur police officer. I don't know what he did. So later on, I got curious and I looked up how much they made a year and it was like double what I made. I was like, Oh, man. oh wow. Yeah. Let's go with <laughs> uh, that. So I called my, I called my friend uh, who worked at poor Arthur PD and she, uh, I asked her, I said, well, what did that police officer do after he left? Do you pay for it? She said, well, for that, no. He probably went and, like, ate food or went to another <laughs> call or something. I was like, really? I was like, okay, where, where do I sign up? So I signed, I, I ended up getting hired um, at the agency I'm with, which this is a good time to say nothing I say in this interview uh, represents uh, my police department. And nothing in this needs to be construed at all as any sort of legal advice. So just to get that out there. So so my my reputation uh, precedes me, right? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So look, these are just the thoughts of of me as a person, and they don't represent anything other than whatever's floating around through my mind. Uh, What are we on Tuesday? Yeah. At around five thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, this is um, this yeah, is a so, stupid little podcast. Ahead. No, nobody needs to take legal advice from this for sure. No, uh, and if you take life advice and it works out for you, then yeah, you can give me credit. But if it doesn't work out, I don't know you. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement. I don't think people are listening to this podcast to uh, better their life. I think it's more of an escape from reality. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> just to, to finish my 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 cop journey story. Um, I got hired, uh, and my goal was, like, I'm just going to make my money. I'm going to sit around, and I'll read a book or something, and then go to the calls, and I'm going to sign, and that's it. And mm-hmm. then one day, um, I stopped a guy and found some crack. Mm. I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. That's so fun. And then I got ended up getting in a foot chase, and I, I caught the uh, fella, and that was just the most exciting thing ever. So I was like, yeah, I want drugs and foot chases. And then... You know, I go on through my career. I ended up being a, a NART for a while and oh, I, bet I that was swore funny. up and down. It was. I swore up and down at the beginning of that. It's like, I'm not going to buy drugs. I'm just going to use informants to do that. And my friend and I got bored one day at the office. We we're like, we're going to go try to buy crack ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we went and bought it and it was just the most fun thing ever. So <laughs> that's sort of the trajectory of my career. And now, now I'm a supervisor. Well, see, so you got one on me because I've never in my life bought crack. Well, I, had it not been for uh, the undercover part of that, I would have never done that either. I had never seen drugs before I, I became a policeman. Well, let's, uh, that's a good thing, Cody. That's a good thing. <laughs> I was a good boy. <laughs> me, me too. I, you know, I, I, I've never seen any kind of hard drug in my life. So, and I don't think I would do well as an undercover narcotics agent. I just don't have the look. Well, everybody says that, but I mean... All you have to have is like 20 bucks and just ask around the, you know, those guys want money, man. It's, it's, it's amazing what a couple of, a couple of sleepless nights would, will, will do for your looks too, maybe. Oh yeah. And I have a bunch of those. So oh, yeah, you don't so, go through as many divorces as I've <laughs> 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 been sleeping all night. Yeah. I was, I was going to, I was going to tell you, congratulations, you know, recently married. Yes, I'm married to the uh, smartest person I've ever met. I'm, I was going to say probably top three, top five most intelligent people I've ever met in my life is Tatiana. And oh, I, yeah. She's, I, I like saying Tatiana. Oh, well, <laughs> I refer to her as, as Ms. Uh, Zelezniak. Oh, well, that's, uh, really. <laughs> that, that's interesting. 
I, was, I bet you don't win any any arguments at home with her being a lawyer. Well, the score is kept in my mind, so I win all of them. Oh, that's good. Now, to the outside observer, I'm like 0 and 100, or probably 0 and several thousand, but that's okay. I'm, I'm playing by my rules. Well, you know what they say, Cody. Third time's a charm. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I think this will this will work out nicely. Well, and if not, man, it was a fun ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I, I, I didn't, I, I've never met Colin's mom, which is your first wife. I, I did briefly know your second wife. I'm a big fan of Tatiana. I like Tatiana. So when you get home, you tell her, I, Walter said, he's a big fan. Okay, I will. <laughs> Maybe she'll even listen to this. <laughs> Who knows? She probably will. Um, yeah. Yeah, so back to your cop stuff, man. You, Me and you, we've been friends for several years now, and I've heard some very interesting stories uh, from you and you know Karen's a big true true crime buff and she likes to watch oh, all yeah. those stories and um but the funniest thing I've ever heard of in my life is you're the only person that I know where a city has paid you to wear Daisy Dukes. <laughs> well, do you want me to talk about that? Yeah, let's talk about that. Okay. So, I guess technically the city didn't pay me to wear Daisy Dukes. Oh, but yes they did. In my I'm, mind they paid you to wear Daisy Dukes. <laughs> if I'm going to if I'm going to do a job, I'm going to do it right. Mm. And and I so <laughs> when I was undercover uh, for a while, one of the things we did was that there's this problem with um well men, it's not usually women. I don't think I, I know of a circumstance where it was women going into public restrooms at different places and uh, having relations. Hmm. So, you know, you don't want your, you don't want to be at the park and your kid go walk in a, a bathroom and, and two dudes are going at it. Yeah. That's, no, that's not, not, not something thing. I think most people want to worry about. I don't so, want to walk into a bathroom you know, in that. Uh, yeah. And to, to solve that problem a little bit, or at least I don't, I don't know that any, any of that ever actually, help to solve it all that much, but in an attempt to solve it, we would go undercover in those places. And, um, the charge that we would seek was indecent exposure because it's against the law in Texas to expose your genitals to somebody else, uh, for sexual gratification in a public area, even in a bathroom. Um, that is a, like in a public park bathroom. Yeah. That's considered a public area. And I'm not sure. Um, you know, it's a class B misdemeanor, so it's not like, you're looking at any sort of time or anything. It's more of a deterrent than anything else. Right. It's like a scared uh, straight program. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's like, uh, you know, if you have a, if your city has a huge problem with um, people being hit by cars, you start enforcing the uh, don't walk on the wrong side of the road law, you know, uh, yeah. writing tickets or doing whatever. So, um, but yeah, that would be considered a public area, especially if you're not in a stall, you know, if you're like in the foyer or the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's accessible to the public. It's not like, uh, your house or it's not like, um, you know, it's not like you're trying to really hide all that much other than going in this little structure. So the question um, I have, but, the question I have, what was your go-to pickup line? Oh, well, the go-to pickup line was, uh, what are you working with? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Obviously. Oh. Um, and it, it helped if you bit your bottom lip and stuff like that, but mm. I'm getting, I'm getting uh, it, a great was, visual right now. Great visual. Well, the, 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 and the best one of those was uh, the day I wore the Daisy Dukes. Um, apparently, when I was young, uh, Daisy in the, in this time period, 
man, I, I must have been real good looking to these people because they were <laughs> they they would flock in the bathroom. Oh, but uh, the one guy uh, went in. Uh, you they always kind of like make small talk with you, which is super weird. And um, I asked him what he was working with, and he showed me. Mm. And I was like, hey, uh, police, you're under arrest. Uh, he, it's amazing how fast somebody can zip their pants when they <laughs> see a badge. Um, and I put him in handcuffs, and he said, I'm a 77-year-old Apache Indian. Whoa. I was like, okay, <laughs> well, um, sure. Uh, but that, to me, was the funniest one. Uh, but it that was such, that was the most difficult undercover thing I ever did. I mean, I bought drugs and I did other stuff, but that was by far the most difficult thing because it was so awkward and it was so um, outside of anything I would do in well, normal the, life. I would say that be, you being like just the stories I've heard you tell over the years, that being a police officer has really led you to have an interesting life. I mean, you just you grew up as just this average white kid in Vider, Texas, and now you know you've gone to wearing Daisy Dukes in in, in a public <laughs> restroom and buying crack cocaine and doing all kinds of all kinds of stuff. No, it, I mean it's uh, it, it's been just the coolest career ever. Uh, my kids sometimes will talk to me about police stuff. And I'm like, man, you know, you can be an accountant, you can be um, whatever else, but when you're 80 and you're telling stories to your grandkids, you sure do rack up some really cool ones, even if you just sign up and you're a patrolman for your whole career. You just see some really cool stuff yeah, and you, very interesting stuff. You learn about people. You're the, you'll be the coolest freaking grandpa there ever was. <laughs> if I make it, <laughs> hell, I don't know. I mean, look, he's 16. Maybe uh, it'll be sooner than I think. You think Colin's going to go into uh, law enforcement? <laughs> Man, I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, I could see him doing that, but uh, I don't know. He's, um, it's he's kinda, a really it's, it's kind too person. early to tell. It is. And like for me, like I said, I never wanted to do that. And then once I, uh, once I kind of got into it, I, I just thought it was fascinating. Uh, my hope for him is he does something that makes him happy. Um, oh, such a good father. father. Such a good father. <laughs> I is, try. That's the polit politically correct answer right there. But I mean, it, it's, for, but that's from my heart, like real, like I want I him to be it. happy. Of and course. If, if flying an airplane makes him happy, that's fine. If he's happy as a, a gas station attendant, then that's and fine he's not too. addicted to do anything, whatever, just as long as he's happy. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I mean, with my daughter, I tell my daughter, you don't have to go to college. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do is at the end. I think the end game in life is to have this perfect work life balance and to be happy. I'm pretty happy. You're a pretty happy guy. And I think if you're happy, that solves a lot of life's problems. Sure. Uh, and like, well, also I want him to be able to take me into a decent nursing home. Yeah, that's true. Um, so if he can get that done, I'd appreciate that. Now, if it's not a decent nursing home, at least find me a decent bridge uh, <laughs> oh, to live under and maybe like a, 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 a some bedding that, that would also work. Well, I, you know, the reason I asked if Colin, you know, was going to probably follow your footsteps. You've been in law enforcement long enough. You've seen the good times and the bad. You've seen when you guys were heroes to everybody. And then you've, you've gone through the era where, you know, public perception is not so great and, and back again. So, um, 
uh, to me, there's a lot of common misconceptions about the police and police officers. You know, I've got some family members, uh, you know, my cousins is Jefferson County Sheriff. He was a gross police department. Uh, I got an uncle who, uh, I call him an uncle. He's basically just my dad's friend or was my dad's friend and constable in Port Arthur police department for many years. Um, you know, I, it just really surprised me. I mean, even here, I've got, I've got a guy I work with who says, you know, them police officers, they just delete that body cam footage anytime they want to. I'm like, oh, yeah, God. that's not true. Yeah. Here I'm like, <laughs> that's oh, okay. God, here we go. I mean, I can, I can tell you about that's extremely impossible, but yeah, uh, we don't need to go into the specific, it's, it's like the flat earther kind of, it's like the, those conspiracy theories. No, I know it's, I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you that that, as far as deleting stuff like that, it's literally impossible without uh, just a mega conspiracy involving people who have zero incentive to do that. Right. The checks and balances in, in the government and police department, I imagine are pretty well. Yeah. I mean, everything you do is on video, which at first, you know, cops, uh, the thing that cops hate more than uh, the way things are is change. You know, so uh, yeah, every time we get these new pieces of technology, there's a small freak out, but then everybody ends up with, well, I'm sure glad we had that body worn camera because it showed we did everything right. Right. And, you know, some, you, you know, some people are like less is more. They want less evidence in case they don't want every little second of every little thing scrutinized, <laughs> you know, but uh, my, my, my cousin, um, when, a major incident comes out, whether it's George Floyd or whatever, and a video comes out of a police uh, police officer doing something, and everybody's you know Monday morning quarterbacking. Uh, he's like, "No, I, I'm, I asked for his opinion because I'm just a naturally curious guy." And he's like, "Until I see the entire video that is not cut from from start to finish," he goes, "I have no, I have no opinion." Yeah. Um, now. On that, like, and that's a good way to think about it. But with George Floyd, I mean, there's to me no, no excuse for uh, what happened in that case. I mean, that that was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and see, and crazy. And right there, right, right there. A lot of a lot of people think police officers just automatically back. You know, police officers do no wrong. Da da da. And one of the things I will say about you, Cody, is you're probably one of the most fairest guys I've ever met. You know. Don't ask anybody in the flag football league this because you know, oh, I know. You know we hoe everybody <laughs> out there. Um, that, that, that's the slogan, but yeah, you uh, I'm hoeing everybody since 2015. Oh, that's hey, you, you need a t shirt, um, you need a t shirt, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just, now, it's just a common it, it, it's a thing that really does drive me crazy. It's like you know, I've I've had bad experiences with police officers. The only ticket I ever got was from a uh, a state trooper. It was you know back when y'all I don't want to say y'all did these stupid things because y'all don't make the laws. Y'all just enforce them. But back when the speed limit would go from seventy five to sixty five at dusk, well, yeah. my, well, I was doing you know seventy six miles an hour at dusk in front of the prisons, and he pulls me over, asks for a license and insurance, and walks away. Nothing said. Comes back, gives me my ticket. And I said, can I ask what I did wrong? And he said, and he starts screaming at me, you don't know what you did wrong. I said, whoa, you know, and literally my ticket was for 11 miles an hour over the speed limit, which was 76 and a 65. So there are bad police yeah. officers, right? I mean, or, or he had a bad day. He could have came off of a really bad call. I'm, you know, I know this because I have a lot of family members who are in, and, and obviously from talking to you, 
And then my wife the other day, she yeah. gets she gets pulled over, gets a ticket, and she said, I wish I could leave a Google review for this guy. He's a state trooper. She's like nicest guy I ever met. So Yeah, and and the thing like I, I think we were talking about misconceptions, and that's one of the biggest misconceptions about police officers is that we're all the same. I mean policing where I work and policing in you know, like a small town or out in Montana somewhere or on an Indian reservation is not the same. And the police officers themselves, I mean, at my department, we have people who play uh, heavy metal rock guitar. We have people who um, play the ukulele. Excellent. Yeah, <laughs> we got that. Um, we have people who are like do woodwork. We have people who are of all different religions and all different ethnicities and who speak different languages. I mean, it's just a very diverse group of people and you can't judge one person um, by something that happened, especially not in your town and not in your state. You know, like none of us that I know of are Derek Chauvin. Right. I mean, that's, that's a cop somewhere that did something horrible. That's not me. You know, I've never done anything like that. So I got and a qu- no one that I, go got, ahead. I got a question about Derek Chauvin. Okay. And, and this is something I think about and, you know, if Derek Chauvin would have never signed up to be a police officer, would he, because, mm-hmm. you know, he is put, he was put into that situation. He did not handle the situation correctly. I think we, we, we agree on that. He didn't, he didn't do the right things. That's why he's in jail. We can all agree. Yeah. Or at least me and you can agree. The country can't agree on anything. Yeah, but, I, I mean, yeah, I but think he, he was, he needed to go to jail. Yeah. He was called out to that situation. So therefore, if he was never, he was forced into a stressful situation. So if he would have chose a different right. career path, would he be in jail for something else? He probably, he probably, and man, I don't know. You know, I don't know the man. I, I right. don't know anything about him. Um, but just to wildly speculate, probably not. Um, the problem I have, though, with trying to justify anything about him or when other police officers do stuff like that is there is some accountability because we signed up to do this job knowing the risks, going through an academy where we were explicitly told this is what you're getting into, getting on the street, having your field training officer tell you this is the job and this is what you're allowed to do and this is what you're not allowed to do and these are the people you're supposed to protect. And you're still, even if somebody's a criminal, you're still supposed to protect that person when you can. And you're still supposed, you're a public servant. You wear the white hat. And those are the responsibilities you get. It, to me, it's kind of like if a CEO steals $30 million, you could say, well, he was put in a spot where he had access to $30 million. If they kept him as the janitor, Fair. he would have never done that. I'm like, well, yeah, that's true. But once you have the powers you have in whatever role you play in life, with great, what was that, that Superman thing? With great power comes great responsibility, right? right <laughs> you know, but, so and just like any profession, I'm sure, like in my profession, there there are scumbags, right? And just like in, you know, there's good cops and there's bad cops, and that's just it's a fact of life. That's any profession. There's good bartenders and bad bartenders, good teachers and bad yeah. teachers, right? And, and you know, today I was actually talking to Erica about, uh, you know, one of my friends, he's really, uh, I've been told he's really considering going and, you know, changing careers and going into the police academy. You know, he's, he's around my age, but, um, I don't, he just, and he, he probably would make a good cop. I'm, I, I don't know, but I have another friend of mine who's always wanted to be a cop 
and he would make a bad cop. And he still to this day debates about <laughs> yeah. going to be a police officer. And he was in criminal justice and stuff. But the reason he wants to be a police officer is because he likes the authority. You know those guys? Yeah, those and, that, and that's yeah, and we, bad police and officers. Th- those guys exist. And, but the thing is, like at, at my department, we do a large amount of due diligence when we hire people. Like people think that they just get on at a police department and it's it's like easy. Um, but that's not the case. At our department, you have to apply first, mm-hmm. do this gigantic background packet, which gets checked by police officers, like literally calling the people you listed in there. Um, you have to have a clean criminal history, a clean um, uh, credit history. Um, and then after that, you do your physical test and your uh, like little written test. I'm kind of getting on backwards, but you do all those things. And then we submit you to a polygraph exam and then, well, there's an interview board in there somewhere and you take a drug test and a psychological evaluation, all that just for us to say, yeah, you can work here. And after that, there's so much training and stuff that you go through. It's, it's just a lot, you know, and people think that we just kind of give these guys a badge and a gun, which we don't give them a gun. They have to purchase a gun. Hmm. Um, you got to purchase and, your own tool belt, huh? Yeah. Now you get a little stipend to purchase your equipment, but mm-hmm. you purchase it. And then, like, yeah, there's just a lot that goes into the making of a baby police officer. So let me ask and you this. I don't do you think, think people know that. Do you think, you know, 37, 40 years old is too old to start being a police officer? Absolutely not. No. Um, I don't think as long as you're physically able to do the job, which is another misconception. Uh, <laughs> like people think we're, we fight people and chase them constantly. It's just not the case. Yeah. Um, as long as you're like a moral person, you have the intellectual ability and you have the physical ability to do those things. I don't think any age is too old. Well, you know what I, what I found interesting from knowing you is uh, if you want to advance in, in the line of police work, I don't know how you would say it, but if you want to go like you have gone from narcotics to sergeant to detective and lieutenant, um, there's well, a look, <laughs> hang on now. It's detective and sergeant well, sergeants above detective. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, well, people, I, I'll put a lot. When I got promoted, um, I went back to patrol. So I put on a uniform uh-huh. and people would see me and they're like, I thought you made detective. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's <how> this works. <laughs> Just you because don't... you wore a suit every day, they thought you were more important. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You see the words. I know how to speak English. People more important was on purpose. Um, Mas importante. <laughs> look at the Spanish coming out of this guy. I like day one thousand twenty five of Duolingo, man. Oh yeah. Can Tatiana speak Spanish? She can. She speaks it well. Uh, what other languages does she speak? <laughs> Doesn't she speak she like speaks- three? She speaks dog fluently. Oh. She can well no, she actually no, she doesn't. Uh, but <laughs> she she attempts to speak dog. They just don't listen. Well, oh. one kind of listens, but no, just uh, just English and Spanish and uh, legalese. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, the thing that got me though, and even with Lance, because Lance recently went to be a detective, um, is how much you guys actually study. You know, like the people who do advance, like it's you're you're pretty like you're I would say you're top 10, 20 most intelligent people I know. I don't know a lot of people, but, you know, <laughs> you, you're, you're up there. 
you know, I remember you uh, studying for your lieutenant exam and, you know, you would spend hours alone in, in the uh, concession stand reading books on Sunday yeah. when we played football. Yep. So like, I think that's a <laughs> that common, I think that's a common misconception that people think, uh, you know, you just, the best police officer gets promoted and, um, and, you know, because he caught more bad guys and it was, it was, it was, it was eye opening for me to see, you know, I mean, I think I watched you go through your sergeant exam too, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, just, just the amount of studying you did was incredible. Like I no, because like for, for that, that test, there was well, there was two thousand pages of material, um, and out of that, there was a hundred question test. So, <laughs> you know, it's just a lot. Yeah, that that is a lot. So, and you guys have to be kind of well versed in the laws. I mean, you're not technically lawyers, but you have to know what to charge people for. I mean, because sure. I, I mean, you you know that I call you from time to time when a when a dumbass debate in this office breaks out over what people can and can't, cannot do it. it, it yeah. yeah. And when it gets really stupid, I call you. And one of the, one of the debates we had the other day, and I don't know if you know about this, but you know, it obviously came from TikTok because everybody okay. gets all their information <laughs> from TikTok, but it was about mutual combat in Texas. And like, have you ever heard of the, the saying mutual combat in Texas? I don't know the saying. I mean, I know I know what mutual combat is. Okay, so here's how here's how it was uh, argued in in the office that if if I'm at a bar, I'm at Dylan's down the street, right, and I have some beef with this guy, and me and him want to go out in the parking lot, and there's always a police officer at you know Madison's or Dylan's or a lot of these places, and we just look at the police officer and say mutual combat, and we can go out in the parking lot and kick each other's ass, and nobody's getting arrested um, afterwards. That's not true, no. Hmm. Well, TikTok it's not, it's not like, my ass. It's not like Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's not like uh, only the strong no, will survive. Well, there, there's a there's a law um, called disorderly conduct fighting, uh-huh. and yeah, that's an arrestable offense. So, so you can't just say mutual combat. At no point in time can you do uh, mutual no. combat and just nobody <laughs> get in trouble. It's just whoever whips each other's <laughs> ass and y'all go back in the bar, buy each other a beer, and be gone. If you're in your backyard, you can. Oh. Well, uh, I mean, you know, if you're in a private uh, place, sure. But if you're in the public now, see, I mean, that this is this is the bad thing about TikTok. TikTok's going to get a lot of people arrested. Man, I, you know, <laughs> though, I've known people for a long time and I've been around a lot of heated flag football games. It's my experience that 99% of people who say they want to fight don't really want to fight. Oh, 100%. We just had this conversation today. We were watching a video on the TV in there, two referees going at it, and nobody's breaking it up. I said, do you know how easy it is to break up a fight? And they said, oh, you know, guys in my office going, oh, nobody wants to get hit. I'm like, but that's the thing. They're not swinging. They're not throwing punches. People don't want to fight. You know how many fights I've had a break? I'm sure you know, but I've been in the middle of 20 people out at flag football. You know yeah, what? Because well, nobody really wants to fight. I mean, well, not nobody. Most people don't really want to fight. I mean, they they're upset. I, I almost think that they are relieved whenever it's broken up. A thousand you percent. Know? And my birthday is a prime example. You were at my birthday party a couple of years ago, and I think you de-escalated the situation because you were a police officer. I did not de-escalate it because I was drunk and I was throwing people out of the way, but. Um, it, but you know, there was plenty of opportunities to hit my drunk ass, and nobody did. 
You know, nobody yeah, wants, and that, really wants to fight because people know in the back of their head there's consequences. People know there's consequences for fighting in a, in a public bar. Sure, and then like to me, the way I think about fighting is if somebody disrespects your wife or does whatever thing, and you don't punch them, but you simmer on it, you're upset, and you go back later, you know, you're at home and you're thinking to yourself, "Man, I wish I would have punched that guy." Okay, that's a bad thought, and you feel like you got an L. But let's say you did punch that guy in that bar. Mm-hmm. Well, then you end up getting arrested, or mm-hmm. he bumps his head on the table and he's got a serious injury, or something like that. Then you're sitting in jail, and you're thinking, "Wow, I really wish I wouldn't have done that." You know what I mean? Like, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. On, on one, you feel kind of like a wuss, but on the other one, like you're your life's changed. Well, I, I've come to the realization, you know, and I don't know any way other to say this, but you know, I, I think about that stuff. You know, I like to go to Dylan's every now and then or whatever. And I'm, I'm in those situations and I will walk away from a fight because I mean, I got a lot to lose. I can get sued, you know, um, sure. I mean, or, you know, dress, you know, I, I like to go swim in the lake on the weekends. If I hit a guy and he falls over and hits the stairs and you know, it kills him. You know, my life changes over a stupid bar fight. So I, you know, yeah, or, or if they, or if you get hit in the face with a beer bottle, yeah, I got a buddy. I got a buddy. Your eye, I meant. Dude, <laughs> you know? I, I have a buddy of mine, and I'm going to get him on this podcast. He was hit over the head with a, a pool cue year, years ago, and uh, he actually, when he came to, he hit the first person near him and knocked his eyeball out of socket. So I mean, I imagine a lot of people's, and he still has a scar to this day. So I imagine a lot of people's lives changed over a stupid bar fight. Sure. And that, that's another thing about mutual combat and a lot of these laws that people kind of talk about. Um, alcohol really um, changes things, you yeah. know, uh, because being drunk in public and uh, violent or, uh, you know, a danger to yourself or others, I mean, you're just going to get arrested for it. It's easy to put somebody in jail. It's a lot harder um, to let it escalate and let somebody uh, really get hurt. Now, so now the question, alcohol really accelerates. Things. Now here's here's the question I have. This is a true story. This happened to my father-in-law. It wasn't at a bar. It was at a concert. But let's just say for the sake of argument that it was at a bar. So somebody, okay. uh, another gentleman grabbed his wife's ass as she walked mm-hmm. by, which is my mother-in-law. It's kind of weird to think about it now that my 70-something-year-old mother-in-law's ass was being grabbed. But it happened. So he turned around and knocked the guy, you know, I don't want to say knocked him out, but he, you know, he, he punched him in a situation like that. You're at a bar because basically, you know, technically let's get all nerdy. The, the grab on the ass is assault. Fair. It's a class C assault. Yes. Yeah. So w- what happens there? Do y'all both go to jail? Like if, if you like, what, how would you instruct your police officer who's working Dylan's? Is it, is it up to the bar who presses charges? Do they say, man, he had good cause to hit this guy? And are you just supposed um, to run and go tell the teacher, you know, like they teach you well, in high school? In, in the moment, um, and I'm just going to tell you practically what would happen, not, I, you know, this, because what you're describing to me is a bunch of Class C things. Class C means something that goes to municipal court. It's not a, you know, going to prison. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's like a traffic ticket. Gotcha. Um, so practically what would probably happen since I assume everybody was drinking 
Um, is that no. my assumption or my, there's just like a, it's <laughs> yeah. like a, uh, the, the only sober bar in the world. Listen on this um, podcast, every story told starts with a drink in your hand. Okay. <laughs> so what would probably happen is they would take most likely if they took people to jail, they would probably just go ahead and take, um, the guy who punched the guy to jail and probably the guy who got punched to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, for PI for public intoxication. Um, if uh, the lady in this situation wanted to press charges for Class C assault, which I think actually has a new legal term, but I can't remember what it's called. I think it's indecent assault or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they would they would press if she wanted to press charges. They'd probably book him in on that too, or they would at least do a report and he, she could pursue those charges later. Um, and that's that's how that would get handled now in a different way. If let's say that this lady was sober mm-hmm. and ran down the story to the police officer, it seemed like that would happen. Mm-hmm. They, and she's like, I got him. He's not going to do anything else. We're literally going home. He can get in the car with me mm-hmm. and the other guy's not seriously injured. They might let her take him home. Mm-hmm. They're going to do a report about it. But if now, if the guy who grabbed the woman's uh, behind said, I want to press charges for assault. They would probably take a report for it because that does fit the statute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think anything much would happen of it just because, you know, let's go to the very end of the day and he's pleading mm-hmm. not guilty and whatever. And that gets in front of a jury. No jury is going to look at that and go, yeah, <laughs> like all these drunk people around and he grabbed her, then he punched him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's just not how the world works. So I think the two options are those two dudes go to jail or um, a responsible party takes uh, responsibility for them. Well, look at us. We're out here doing the Lord's work. We're keeping people out of jail. We're, we're, we're really giving them real knowledge here. So don't fight in I mean, a bar. Like, and obviously yeah, none of this is legal I, advice, but your Cody Quartz's advice at the end of the day is don't fight at a bar, walk away, be the bigger man, and everything is going to be okay. But and that, that but that's something to really think about, especially if you're a young guy. You know, if you remember when you do things, you take on this responsibility. If you go to a bar with your good-looking lady, mm-hmm. other drunk people are at the bar. They're going to do drunk things. And if they do some drunk thing that makes you angry, if you decide to act on that anger, you might end up in jail for that night. Yep. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not trying to give advice on anything, but that's just the case. Drunk just, places with drunk people sometimes have poor outcomes. Yeah. There, there's, there's consequences for everything, right? Sure. I mean, and that's while that's not like, the chivalrous, like, you know, um, super awesome thing. If the police never do anything about those things and you just have bar fights everywhere and it's like, uh, the wild west. Yeah. Nobody liked the wild west either. People got shot. <laughs> no. And, and like 95% of people that go to a bar want to go there and drink and have fun and laugh with their friends and watch live music. You know, they don't want to get, go there and watch a, you know, two drunk dudes fighting and all this stuff. Yeah. I agree. I mean, um, it's just, it, it, it is comical how many times we debate about the law in this office, even though we have zero law experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, and, and, and I'm not, 
and when it get like I said, when it gets too bad, I say, all right, I'm calling Cody. And Cody, <laughs> Cody's going to give me the level-headed answer. And and it's always like, you know, I think I called you one time. I was like, hey, if somebody breaks into your house, can you shoot them? And you're like, well, yes and no. I'm like, oh, here we go. I said, I know what he's going to say. He's going to say yes and no. And, of course, what did you give I me? Mean, well, yes and no. Yeah, they kick in your door. Yeah, you can yeah. shoot them. But, you know, your, your other answer was if it's now, your neighbor coming to borrow sugar and they just didn't knock, then no. I, I would not shoot them. No, yeah, don't do that. You will be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but, and the other thing is like on that part of it, if they, let's say they do kick in your door mm-hmm. and you point your gun at them and you're like, lay on the floor. And they're like, okay, no problem. And then you tie them up and shoot them in the head. That might not be okay. Right. So it's, it, you, it, know, you it, give the very, uh, lawyer-like response to a lot of things. And, and I get well, why you do but, that. But people, um, the, the thing people need to remember about this stuff is most of the law is written saying things like in the protection of yourself from injury or another person from injury or the theft of your property or the damage of your property, you are allowed to do X. Mm-hmm. So the key word in that whole thing is protection. Once mm-hmm. whatever threat is not a threat, you're not allowed to seek out like a punishment. Correct. You know, like if you if you and another guy are fighting in the parking lot and he says, Whoa, you got the best of me, I'm done, and you continue to beat him, that becomes an assault. Correct. Uh, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. I'm gonna tell you a true story. Okay, and I want to get your <laughs> okay. take on it. And I have a question about it. So uh, uh, a friend of mine, she worked at I guess we can say the name, she worked at Monroe's in Beaumont. And it got robbed. You know, they, they come in and they grab a bunch of the expensive uh, fire retardant shirts and they run. Well, at the time, you know, my buddy was also working there. And this is several years ago. And so he chases the guy down the street and, and you know, runs him down in his truck and holds him at gunpoint and puts the gun in his ass. And I'm, I'm not making this up. The guy was laying face down and he said, man, stop that. You're gay. And he... And he said, if you move, it's going to get bad. Uh, anyway, the cops come. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't move. The cops come, arrest the guy. But they took my buddy's gun. And he said for like three to six months, they took the gun from him. Yeah. And yeah. What, what, what do y'all do with the gun for that long? Even though um, it was never fired. No, but that's that would be part of that case. And it's going to be evidence. So until that case is discharged, until it's over. Um, usually you don't get your ev- your property back that's evidence. Uh, there's some exceptions to it, but it's all kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just, I mean, like if, um, let's say you did fire your gun. Because the thing is, part of this whole report is going to be, you know, um, John Smith, who was working at Monroe's, chased the theft suspect down and um, pointed a firearm at him. Uh, to get them to comply, to get back the property, or to do whatever. Mm-hmm. That firearm is part of that case. That's evidence. Hmm. Um, and and I'm not saying evidence against him. It's just evidence for the case. So usually you don't get your evidence back until the case has been completely adjudicated or dismissed or done whatever it's going to do. With. See, I know these sound like off-the-wall questions, but how, how long have you been in law enforcement now? 15 years. So in 15 years, you've seen some crazy shit. I mean, you've seen, oh, yeah. you've seen the, every end of the spectrum. So this is like 
crazy stuff like this is what blows my mind. Crazy stuff like this happens all the time. And even in our little town. Yeah. I mean, that's it. No, it does. I mean, uh, it's not like, I mean, it's not like some extraordinary crazy event happens every single day, but it's fairly frequent. I mean, there's always, but over the course of the year, you have some good stories to tell. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen in your career as a police officer? Um, I mean, there's been a lot of strange things. <laughs> I, uh, I'll, I'll give you uh, one from the beginning of my career. Um, there was a guy who was upset with his girlfriend who had a baby, and she had the baby with her. The baby was from another, another person, um, and they got into a fight. He grabbed, snatched the baby out of her arms and uh, ran off down the block. Mm-hmm. She called us. We all got on the scene. We were looking for this dude and this baby um, for about an hour or so. And it was very, very cold. Um, so we found the guy, mm-hmm. um, arrested him, but he would not tell us where the baby was. So we're canvassing these yards, like looking for this. I think it was like a month or two old baby, like a small baby um, in the very freezing cold. And. I thought at the time, I'm like, there's no way this baby's alive, um, you know, because it was just so cold and it had been a little while. Well, my training, I was in training at that point. My training officer and I went through this one yard and on, they, these people had made um, like a little walkway out of um, those little square cinder blocks, you know, mm-hmm. not cinder blocks, but uh, pavers. Right. And on like one of these papers, uh, papers, there was this little baby and the way I remember it now, I may not remember it perfectly, but the way I remember it was there was this little baby wearing just a diaper laying in the middle of one of these little pavers, just kind of squirming around. And I was like, Oh my goodness. That was the, uh, one of the strangest things I've ever seen in my life was this, um, little baby out in the freezing cold laying on a paver. Wow. Um, you know, so, so we scooped it up and the baby was okay. But it was just a very weird visual <laughs> to see, like, you know, um, but the baby was okay. So that one ended happily. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've, like I said, I've heard some stories from you over the years. Some of them probably not appropriate for, uh, no, you know, a, <laughs> for, for a podcast. But man, uh, y'all see some crazy stuff. But man, I have enjoyed having you on on the podcast. You uh, you're actually the first podcast uh, that I was on was Amateur Hour. You've been doing podcasts for several years, uh, so maybe maybe you were my inspiration, Cody. I'm trying to be. Oh like man, you. I'm so inspirational. Well, hopefully you'll you'll shoot higher next time. But I'm flattered. Well, and when we get the studio set up in here, we got to get down. We got to get you, Troy, and Aaron down here and shoot a live episode of Amateur Hour. I love it. We're, yeah. we're all about it. 1,000%. But one of the things we do here, we ask every guest when it's their first time on the show, what's, if you're going to pick one Mexican restaurant to go eat at, let's say it's your birthday, it's a special occasion, you're going to pick a Mexican restaurant, where are you going in Southeast Texas, and what are you getting off the menu? <laughs> now, look, you have to understand that I don't really like Mexican food. Oh, you are just <laughs> so, off the podcast. This is called the Hey Weddle podcast. I don't really like it. You're um, going to be so the most I'll hated with, guest. Do not say Castle. I, I, I mean, 
No, no. Cats away. No, my favorite one is Taco Bell. Oh, God. <laughs> and I'm going to get two soft tacos, just how they come, a cheesy gordita crunch, and if they still have it around, a Mexican pizza. You did not say Taco Bell. <laughs> you, <laughs> That's it, man. The whitest That's my Mexican restaurant. The whitest person in America. You think Doritos is Mexican food. No, I love uh, like Asian food. I can tell you about that. No, no man, no, uh, nope, nope, nope. It's the Southeast not, Texas. Uh, and I, as far as like, I guess the sit down quote unquote Mexican restaurants. Uh-huh. I don't know. Lupe Tortilla has some pretty good food. Yeah, uh, Lupe Tortilla actually has good food. But I mean, we're in Southeast Texas. Like literally behind me is three Mexican restaurants I could walk to. And, and yeah, then I could, all the food's the same. Well, no, not, not really. <laughs> it all tastes the same to me. Cody, you are not my friend right now. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you win some and you lose some. Well, look, man, I've enjoyed having you on the podcast, and you have to come back, especially when we get the studio set up and tell some more stories. Is that fair? Yep. Right. Appreciate it, Walt. I appreciate it, Cody. Thanks, thanks for calling. All right. Have a good night. All right. Bye-bye. All right, guys, if you like the podcast, make sure you like and subscribe, leave me a comment, and be sure to check out our other videos.